week. It was very, very heavy. I'm, I can only say how heavy it was for me as the communicator. I can't even imagine the weight of what it felt like out there. Um, but last week was heavy, and, and I don't apologize for that because I feel as though sometimes we can kind of dismiss the heavier parts of our relationship with God and just kind of expect the motivational quotes that exist on the post-it notes. You know what I mean? Like we can just go from post-it note faith to post-it note faith, and, and sometimes as we talked last week, God warns us, but he warns us in ways that really force us to, um, to really look inward. Um, if you have any desire to listen to it, it's, it'll be up on our website. It's up on our website. But I want to say this week is just as heavy as last week. But what I want to try and do is I want to try and find a non-heavy way of saying it because I don't want us to go to Lake Hiawatha and just, be, and just sit and eat our feelings. That's not what I want. So I'm going to try and say heavy things in a not heavy way and, and do that sort of thing. So we'll see how it goes. And so if you have a Bible this morning, guess where we're going to be? The book of... Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at verses 21 through 23, and I totally feel like I'm just like this infomercial guy with this voice right now, so it has to stop. I'm really sorry. Um, but uh, but uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, last week, as, as for those who were here, those who weren't, we talked about that Jesus is warning us as followers, as his followers, he uses the word beware, that we are to beware, that we are to be on guard of those who are false prophets, false teachers who would have the agenda of taking what Jesus has started over this Sermon on the Mount and, and adjusting it to fit a specific um, trajectory or agenda that has nothing to do with what Jesus began it as. And so what Jesus was saying, he says, beware, because uh, those that, in pro- are, that are in proximity to us have a very unique power over us. Did you know that? That those who are, that we are in closest proximity to have a very unique power over us. I used to think at times that I was strong enough to outlast my proximity, and the reality is I'm not. I'm not. Like, I want to stand for Christ. I want to stand for the things that he stands for. I want to love the things that he loves. I want to be, I want the things that anger him to anger me. But sometimes I can become like those that I am in closest proximity to often. Now that can work in church, and that can work outside of church. But we have a tendency of becoming that which we are closest to. And so what Jesus is saying is those that you hold in proximity, make sure that they're they're the right people. Make sure that they say the right things because as, as Matthew chapter 7 uh, verses 15 through 20 talked about last week is that we are known by the fruit that we produce and we asked the question, what fruit is your life producing? And then Jesus says, he goes, that we are known for our actions, that our actions say something about us. And I was on staff at another church for a lot of years, and our pastor used to say all the time, your life is doing two things and two things only if you are a follower of Jesus. It is pointing people to Jesus, or it is pointing people away from Jesus. And what actions are coming out of our life, and therefore because of our actions, what fruit are we producing? But Jesus was saying, man, beware of false teachers and false prophets, and those who would hijack what I have begun. 
And then you would think, man, this is, this is the perfect place to end, Jesus, because you've warned me about what's out there, and I'm about to be out there, so this is where it should end, and this is where you give me the inspiration. This is where you give me the post-it note. This is where you give me the Christian poster saying. This is the thing that you give me that I can put on Twitter that will get some likes and some retweets, because this is the part, and, and, and Jesus, if you know anything about him as we've kind of hung out in these three chapters, that's not what Jesus does. What Jesus does is he turns our eyes from being outward to being inward now. And uh, in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21, if you have a Bible, uh, feel free to read along. If not, it's going to be up on the screen. This is what Jesus says. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. It was so comfortable, guys, honestly, when I thought that this passage was Jesus talking to non-Christians. I loved thinking that. I loved being under the, the misguided understanding that this was a section of Scripture that Jesus is speaking to unbelievers about, but he's not. What Jesus and who Jesus is addressing, he's talking about those of us who come week in and week out and sit in church and listen to Christian podcasts and go to conferences. And those of us who can live life and have the possibility and the potential of living our entire lives doing things because of Jesus and knowing a lot of things about Jesus without actually knowing Jesus. See, if you're anything like me, and I know that I am, I have a really annoying tendency of falling into the habit of simply doing, 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 and maybe, just maybe, if I do enough good things, God will be impressed with me. I, I, I love magicians. I'm of the, the mindset, don't tell me how they do the trick. Just let me live in 30 seconds of wonder and bewilderment that there is a wizard standing on stage impressing me with his magic. I'm just that, per 34 years old, I, don't, I never watch those how they do it shows. If any single person, if I am in a magician's show and I am an audience member and I hear someone say in vicinity of me, I know how they did that. What I will do is I will stuff that hatred for them in my gut and then take it out on cheese curds at the state fair a couple of days later. And so, but, but I don't say anything because I don't want to ruin the show for anybody. But I just, I don't like those people. You know what I mean? Who are like, I don't care how that there's two people in the box. I don't care. All I saw is one person go in the box, and now there's two halves of one person. That's just what I love. Um, but the, one of the things, that I, it's not so much maybe a magic trick. Maybe it's in defiance of, like, science, but whatever. But, like, the point, the thing that I was always most impressed with is when you got a person who could spin, like, ten plates on poles. 
You know what I mean? Like, I, that is amazing to me. And again, don't tell me how to do it. I just want to be impressed with the fact that you're doing it. And I will giggle and laugh and, and, and embarrass my seven-year-old because I'm acting like a six-year-old. Uh, I just love, but, th- but it's like, it's amazing because, man, they're just spinning those poles and those plates are spinning and then they're running over here and they're spinning that pole and those plates are spinning and then they're like, they see in their peripheral that one of the plates, so they run over and they're spinning and they're spinning and then all of a sudden they get to this point and I really think this is part of the trick and I don't know what it is. There's, I don't know. I don't want to know. I just want to be impressed. But then there's that point where all the plates are spinning just perfectly and everyone's impressed and it's amazing how closely that reflects my relationship with God. I want to keep the plates spinning. God, would you be impressed with me if I could add another plate to my four? See, the the reality is I, I, I I think we get this as Christians from this culture of work and of school, that, you know, if you do the work and you do work well, you get a good grade. If you do your job well, if you do your job better than other people, if you beat somebody out for a promotion that maybe they were due for, but, you're, but you worked hard, and you'll get the promotion that maybe someone else thought they deserved. And so by our actions, by our effort, we get validation. We get encouragement. We get promotion. We get accolades. And, and, and I fall, and, and this is just me. I'm not speaking to anybody. Uh, this is just me talking to me with an audience. Um, but like the, but I, I get so busy like trying to out-study or out-preach or out-serve or out-love or out-do this or out-do that or out-think this person or this person because, God, if there's, if, there's, if there's something that I can do in this moment to get you happier with me, then I'm going to do it, and I keep spinning and spinning and spinning these plates. And it's amazing that no matter how hard I try in my efforts with what I do, that the thing that I'm searching for by the method and mode in which I'm trying to get it with is always out of reach. But it's not, I mean, but it's, it's, it's like barely, right? Like it's just barely out of reach. Because I'm, I mean, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to get up, and, I'm gonna, and God, if I read my Bible five out of the seven days this week, I know you'll be proud of me, and I know that you'll love me more, and I know, and so I read my Bible uh, four out of the five days, because you know that one, I stayed up a little late, doing. but God, you know you understand, but I'm going to read my Bible four out of the five days, and so you got to be a little bit more impressed, and so then I reach. I don't get it, but I'm barely there. You know, God, if I pray more, I mean, you know what? I just got to pray more. If I just take time, and I'm just going to, and if I pray four out of the seven days of the week because we know how the Bible reading went, and if I pray four out of the seven days of the week, then God, you're going to love, and you're going to spit, and all these, and, but you know what? There was that one, I didn't pray that one time because, you know what? I just, the, there was, but, so I did three out of the seven, you know, but, that, but it's like, you kind of, do you get what I'm saying? And it's just almost there. And if we're not careful, we can spend our entire lives trying to earn God's love without ever knowing God's love. We could be trying to earn validation from our sins without ever knowing that there is actual forgiveness for the totality of our sins to the person of Jesus. We can, we can know the answer. But we're complex people, right? We're educated people. We're the most informed and 
knowledge-filled generation. So it can't be that simple as just being Jesus. It's got to be more complicated. There has to be something that in God's, and, and if you've grown up in church, this is the answer. It, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done. And again, it's, it's awkward, isn't it? Like, it's just like, but I, I, I give, if I give Jamie, what I should be giving Jamie is $50 because homeboy travels and brings me Starbucks mugs. And thank you for everyone who over the summer has brought me a Starbucks mug. I, you have earned my love because I'm not Jesus. But, uh, you know, but, but like, I should be giving Jamie money for the mugs that he gives me, but he's gracious. He's a wonderful person. But that's how I'm comfortable, right, with that transaction. I'm going to give you money, and I'm going to get something back for it. Like, I'm going to give you a, 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 a piece of paper that we've determined has value, and I'm going to give it to a person, and they're going to give me something that I've determined is worth the value of the paper that I'm giving them. And, and it's like, I'm so comfortable with that, but it can't just be that simple as it just being Jesus. It's too easy. And so because it's too easy and because, again, I'm a complex person and, I, and I'm, I have knowledge, maybe I don't have wisdom, but I have knowledge and I have understand that like, there is nothing that I can give God that can earn my love for him. He just loves me because as I was talking to Penny Mueller and Taylor Nyland, two girls who I adore, Taylor says, well, God just loves us because we're his. And then Penny says, yeah, because God loves what he makes. And then I had to leave and go cry because I had to lead worship and no one wants to see that. You know what I mean? But it's like, see, but to them it's that simple. Jesus loves what he makes. Jesus just loves us because we're his. When did it get so complicated? So Jesus is saying, beware of the false teachers and the false prophets and those who would hijack what I've begun towards an agenda that's not even mine and then he says, but also beware of this habit that we have as humans to try and do something, to try and earn something that we could never earn on our own, but Jesus offers us freely through his life. And, and I think it's just such a profound thought today that this is actually harder than last week's. Because aren't we so deep sometimes in the actions of trying to earn God's love that sometimes breaking free of those habits is actually scary because it's actually scarier to live in freedom than it is to live in bondage because I know bondage, right? But I think what Jesus is saying to all of us, saying to me today, is I just want you to just go and knock the plates off the poles. Just knock them off. 
Just knock the plates off the poles <clears throat> and just let them crash to the ground. And if you're CDO, which is OCD in alphabetical order, you're going to want to pick up the mess. Because Jesus, if I pick up the mess, will you love me more? And Jesus is saying, I've got it. I've got it. I've got you. And let me say this to somebody today. You are and have always been enough. Father, we thank you, God, for who you are. God, I thank you that you give us a way. You give us an opportunity to receive what we could never earn, to gain something that we could never work hard enough to acquire, but God, in your love for us, you understood that we would never be able to do enough. And so you sent Jesus, and God, there's so much more that I wrote, and I'm in the habit of saying because I wrote it, but God, I just feel like in this moment, we just need to sit in the reality that it's not what we do that gets you to acknowledge us, but as I learned from two seven-year-olds, that you just love what you make. And we're yours because you've made us. And we have a relationship with you because of Jesus. And God, sometimes we just forget to sit in that. Live life in reality of that. So God, would you give us in this moment the grace and the strength and the faith and the hope to go up to whatever plates we're trying to spin because we're just so used to earning approval. We're so used to earning validation, so used to earning love. God, would you give us the strength, the grace, the faith, and the hope for all those things that would keep us from truly being in relationship with you, to just walk over to those spinning poles and just, just knock them over. Just knock them over. And may with each religious, religiously bound plate that crashes to the ground, God, would you just give us a greater sense of freedom and worth and value because... Once again, like I learned from two seven-year-olds today. And God, you love us because you love what you made. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen.